Well, not too long ago, I was having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, as a part of that conversation, he began to share with me his life story. And he had never done that before, and so this was you know, kind of cool for me to just hear his story. And as a part of his story, he started talking about when he was growing up that uh, he came from a very religious family. In fact, so much so that uh, he, was, he, he was baptized as an infant, and he talked about uh, First Communion, he talked about being confirmed and all that stuff. And he just talked about every Sunday... Uh, our, our, our family was in church, and they were re- raised with religious values and all that stuff. And then as he's telling his story, he says this. He says, but then I got older, and I walked away from all of that. And so I said to him, as, he, as he's going, I was like, whoa, 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 let me hit the pause button here for a minute. Let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Why? And here's, here's his answer to me. I don't want anything to do with religion. Now, because of what I do and uh, as a pastor, I get the privilege of hearing a lot of people's story. And what I'm noticing is, is that his story is becoming more and more common. In fact, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had throughout the years where people have said, Mark, religion is the issue. Religion is the problem. And many of us, we were brought up and, and we were taught that, that religion is actually the solution to society's problems. But as we just begin to look at what's going on in the world around us, you know, for many of us, we're starting to wonder, maybe religion is the problem. So what we're seeing in our, in our country is we're seeing a growing percentage of people who are beginning to disconnect from faith and disconnect from God and disconnect from religion altogether. In fact, so much so, there is actually a name given to this group. And this name is this. They're called nuns. Now, not N-U-N-S, okay? I know some of you are like, really? No, no, nuns. And what, what nuns would say is that we don't have any religious affiliation because we don't want anything to do with religion. Now, when the last census was taken, uh, you get the opportunity to, to check religious affiliation, you know. And one of the examples, or one of the options was nuns. And here's what, what we're finding is this, is that this, this group right here has grown by over 300% in the last 20 years. And what's interesting is I've gotten to know kind of more what nuns are. Uh, before I was a follower of Jesus, I, I would have fallen into that category before there ever was a category. Now, this is why we are starting our brand new series called Is God Fake News? And I just want to say a quick shout out to all you who are, who are joining us online, joining us from Oak Creek. Now, the idea of fake news is something that's becoming very popular in our culture today. And we all know what fake news is. It's like, you know, we, we read something, we hear something, something is reported. You know, it's like if you got up this morning and you read these, this headline, no winter in Wisconsin this year. I mean, you know, we'd be like, well, that's really great, you know. And it doesn't matter how much you would want it to be true. Here's the reality. It's false. It's not true. It's fake. What's interesting is, is that uh, a, a high percentage of the people who are joining kind of the, the, the nun group have actually moved away from Christianity. And when I, when I say that, understand, if that's you, I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm not blaming you because I don't think it's your fault. Actually, I think it's, it's the church's fault. I think it's people like me's fault because if Christianity has presented, been presented to you in a way that's just not compelling and it's easy to walk away from... I think it's because you, I just believe you've been given the false version of it, that you have been given the fake news version of it. And let me tell you why I think that. Every deconversion story I have ever heard, and when I say deconversion story, I'm talking about like my friend. And my friend was like, okay, I was, but now I don't anymore. I was walking that way, but now I've walked away from that. Every deconversion story from Christianity I hear has nothing to do with Christianity. And when I hear these stories, I'm going like, well, I don't believe that either. And Jesus and the early Christians, they, they didn't embrace that idea either. 
And so if you find yourself in this group, uh, maybe you're, you're, you're in the group now, or maybe you're kind of moving towards this group. It was kind of like, you know, I have faith, but I'm just starting to walk away from the faith that I have right now, or I have walked away altogether. Hey, if that's you, this series is for you. And if you know someone that you would say, yeah, 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 that's them, this series is for them. And what I'm hoping to do is we just kind of walk through this series is, is if that's you, I'm hoping to kind of woo you back this way a bit and just in looking at or giving Christianity another look. Because I think what you'll find as we go throughout the series that for some of you who are thinking of walking away or who have walked away, maybe you walked away unnecessarily. Now, when it comes to the whole issue of God, there's really two categories that, that most of us fall into. And, and the first category is this, is that there is a God. And maybe for you, you know, you grew up going to church, you grew up in a religious school, or, you know, for some of you, it's like, well, I'm an American, you know, and aren't you supposed to believe in God if you're, you grew up in this country? And for some of you, you think that. Uh, but at some point in your life, faith became inconvenient for you. It's kind of like you reached this point and you were like, I got to follow all these rules and I don't want to have to do that, you know, and then I got to go to church and I got to go to church on Sunday, you know, and I can't change my fantasy team, you know, right before, before that whole thing's in church. And so it just, it just kind of became inconvenient for you. Or for some of you, you just outgrew God. I mean, it was kind of like, uh, it's like Bugs Bunny and playing with action figures and dolls. It was good then, but it's not so good now. Or for some of us, we just started to learn more about the faith that we grew up with and there were just some unsettling things about this whole thing. I mean, it was like this idea of hell. I mean, that is very unsettling. Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, that is, that is really unsettling. And so, you know, you just kind of outgrew God. You might come back for crisis or Christmas, but in your mind, you're just thinking, I don't really have a need for God. Now, the second category is there is no God. Now, for some of us would go like, well, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an atheist, even though, you know, a small percentage of people are, are atheists. But you may not say you're an atheist, but if you're honest with yourself, you kind of live that way. I mean, we live as if there's no God. We live as if we're in charge and we kind of make up our own rules and our own morality, so to speak. But the thought of a godless universe is very unsettling for some of us. I mean, the thought of everything just being reduced to the laws of physics and biology, yeah, that doesn't sit real well either. And so here's where many of us find ourselves. We find ourselves right here in the middle. You know, we've tried the God thing. We've tried the religious thing maybe, maybe growing up. You know, but we have doubts about God. We have questions about God. But the thought of going all the way over to this category where there is no purpose and life is just bookended by birth and death, eh, that just leaves us with a feeling of despair. And so we're just kind of caught in the middle between doubt and despair. We're caught in the middle. Now, you know you're caught in the middle when you start to say nebulous things like this, well, I just believe in a higher power. Or we say things like, I just believe in an, in an energy force or a power from within. Or, you know, you might even say things like, you know, I, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And what that just means is, is you're in the middle and that's okay because that is a growing percentage of us. And so it is you, if that's you, I want to talk this specifically throughout this series, that you would say, you know, I'm losing faith or I've lost faith altogether. Now, here's the thing. If you've lost faith, it's not like you know when it happened, you know? It's not like, you know what, Mark? On Thursday after lunch, I was having this burrito, and it didn't sit well, and I just walked out of there going, not only is my stomach hurt, I've lost my faith. You know, you, you didn't do that. You know, you're not really sure when, when it happened, but you just know that you're just kind of at this point right now that you're not really sure what you believe. Now, if, if that's you, 
if you just kind of feel like you, you, you're losing faith or you've lost faith, I have very good news for you. You are not alone. People have been disbelieving in gods since the very beginning. Once upon a time, the most sophisticated civilization in the world worshipped the sun. Centuries later, the most sophisticated civilization in the world, they, they worshipped Zeus. And after that, the Roman Empire worshipped a pantheon of gods, including Jupiter and Mars. Now today, I would bet that very few of us worship the sun. Now, side note, during the summer, I worship the sun. i got to be honest with you. But, you know, very few of us would say that, that we worship the sun. And I would bet that even, very, even fewer of us worship Jupiter and we worship Mars. We've kind of given up on all those gods. And so people have been disbelieving in gods from the very beginning. In fact, I love what Richard Dawkins, who is a very well-known atheist, I love how he just kind of sums up this idea. He says this, We're all atheists about most of the gods that humanity has ever believed in. Some of us just go one God further. Now, here's what's really interesting. Is that, is that the early Christians were considered atheists by their culture. Why? Because they didn't believe in and they didn't worship the gods of the Romans. And so they were considered atheists. But the message of the Christians back then was, hey, listen, guys, we're, we're not atheists. We actually believe in God. We just, and, and this must have been so offensive back then, we just believe you guys believe in the wrong gods. So I believe that that tension still exists with us today. And I think this may be why perhaps by some of you have started to pull back or pulled away from religion and from faith altogether. And, and once again, the reason I believe that is, as I said earlier, is that every story of someone walking away or falling away, deconverting, so to speak, like my friend, it has nothing to do with Christianity. And so I hear these stories, just like I heard my friend's stories. I hear these stories, I go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Who told you that? Where did you get that from? Maybe, just maybe, I know this sounds offensive. It's not meant to sound offensive. Maybe the God you believe in is fake news. One of the, the writers of, of, in, in the Bible, and I understand you may not be a Bible person. That's okay. We'll, we'll kind of come around to that as we go throughout the series. Uh, one of the writers of the Bible, King David, and David was a, one of the kings of Israel, and he was a military guy. Uh, he writes in, in, in the book of Psalm one of these descriptions about God. And here's what he wrote about God. He said, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I believe if, if you've walked away, I bet you didn't walk away from that God. You know, as far as deconversion stories uh, that I've heard, there are really three main stories. And I'm going to quickly tell you what the three main, main stories are. And as I'm telling them, I, I want you to go, hey, yeah, that, maybe that's your story and you can connect with that. Or maybe you know someone and they've kind of shared their story with you and you can go, oh, yeah, that's, that's her story or that's his story. And so there's really three main ones. And it kind of works like this. The first one goes, you grew up in a religious environment. Maybe you were Christian or you were Catholic or maybe you grew up in, a, in, in another religion and you had a childhood experience of some kind. I mean, it was just all you know. But then... You transitioned into an irreligious environment, and maybe you went from middle school to high school, or maybe you went to high school to college, or maybe your family moved, 
and they move to a different city and you had a whole new set of friends, you know, whatever it is, you transition to this, this environment where, where no one was, was following God. And here's the thing, you liked it. It was like, man, oh man, this is great. They don't have to follow the rules that I do and they don't have to go to church on Sunday. They get to sleep in on Sunday. I mean, how great is that? And, uh, and, and, and here's the thing, they don't feel guilty. They don't talk about some of the things that I talk about. And so you transitioned into this irreligious environment and you actually liked it better. And so as a result, here's what you started to do. You started asking adult questions about your childhood faith and you received faith-based answers to your fact-based questions. And just after a while, it just didn't sit really well with you. And so as a result, you kind of started to move away from your faith or you left it all together. Now, the second common deconversion story goes something like this. You grew up in a, um, a religious environment. You know, you had a childhood uh, conversion. It's all that you knew, you knew. But then something happened. There was an event or a tragedy or a painful loss or you prayed for something and you needed God to answer that prayer. And he didn't answer that prayer. And as a result, you had a faith-crushing event that hurt or wiped out your faith altogether. Now, this is my, my friend's story right here for him. He's number two. And so as a result, here's what you started to do. You started asking adult questions about your childhood faith. And you received faith-based answers to your fact-based questions. You know, maybe you can relate to what one blogger wrote when she wrote this. She said, one day it dawned on me. I couldn't believe anymore. I wanted to believe but I couldn't believe anymore. I could not reconcile, and this word reconcile is so critical, I could not reconcile the God I grew up with with the reality of my life. I could not reconcile the God of my childhood, the way I was taught God was, and what God would do. I just couldn't reconcile God with reality, and I couldn't deny reality, so I couldn't believe anymore. Now, the third deconversion story goes like this. I grew up in a religious environment, and I had a childhood experience, but I didn't have a tragedy in my life. I didn't, I didn't transition into a new environment. But for you, your deconversion story started when you started asking questions that, that your mom couldn't answer, or your dad, or your pastor, or your priest. And you asked questions, and they would say, here's a book, or here's a message to listen to. And it just wasn't very helpful for you. And so as a result, here's what you did. You just kind of thought your way from faith. And, you know, for you, you, if you told your story, it would be like, hey, you know, I grew up here, and I grew up Christian, or I grew up religious, but Karen Armstrong, who, uh, Karen Armstrong was at one time a Roman Catholic nun who deconverted, and she became a nun, which is kind of a cool thing. She went from nun, N-U-N-S, to N-O-N-E. I just think that's kind of cool. I'm going to play on words. But anyways, uh, so, so she, she deconverted. And uh, she, just, she just started to kind of create her own mystic religion, so to speak. And uh, here's what she wrote. She said this. She said, many of us have been less stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learned about God at about the same time as we were told about Santa Claus. Now, spoiler alert, Santa Claus reveal is coming, okay? Just to let you know. Uh, but, but while our understanding of the Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured, our theology remains somewhat infantile, not surprisingly. When we attained intellectual maturity, many of us rejected the God we had inherited and denied that he existed. And for maybe some of you, that's your experience. And the reason that's your experience is because the view of God you were given was given to you when you were very young. And so what I want to do with the few minutes I have left, 
I want to I talk to you about many of the gods that we grew up with as a kid. And as I talk to you about this, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Stop believing in them because they're not true. They're fake news. Now, for some of you, you know, you've already walked away from them. And here's the thing. That's a very good thing. But just because you walked away from those doesn't mean God doesn't exist. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a list. And then as we go through the list, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to identify the one or two, and there may be more than one or two, that you would go, oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, I got that. That's me. That's me. And then I want you to ask a question that most of us, we have never asked ourselves before. Where did that come from? Where did that originate from in my life? And so gods we grew up with, the first one, we're going to call bodyguard God. Now, I don't, this has nothing to do with Kevin Costner and I will always love you. Not that one. All right, not that one. But bodyguard God is a God who is always supposed to care for us. Bodyguard God is always supposed to protect us from bad things happening in our life. And then, you know, here's our, here's our story. Many of us grew up and then something either bad happened to us or something bad happened to someone around us. And as a result, our faith crumbled. In fact, for many of us right here, this is the biggest pushback we have with God. I mean, why do bad things happen to good people? In fact, this is such a big deal. We're going to take one week and we're going to talk about this very, very thing. But here's what you need to know. This is not the God that the early Christians believed in. You see, Christianity started with a horrible event happening to a very good person, Jesus. And so if the early Christian presented to their culture, hey, this is a God who won't allow anything to bad happen to you, Christianity wouldn't have made it out of the first century because all the heroes of the faith back then had horrible things happen to them by the Romans. Now let me ask you this. If you, kind of, if you believe in bodyguard God, where did that come from? Who told you that? Now my guess would be you didn't hear it from Christianity, but you heard it as a kid. And it was presented to you with the very best of intentions. I mean, think about this. If you have kids, uh, when they were young, if you went into their room and they were scared, they were like, Mommy, Daddy, I'm scared. And you know, what, what did we say? We said, hey, listen, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. You know what we didn't say? <laughs> you should be. Your mom and I just got done watching the news. You should see all the stuff that we saw, man. You should be frightened. <laughs> we didn't say that. No. What did we say? We said, you know, God's going to protect you. We're going to protect you. And so we, as a kid, we grew up with bodyguard God. But then something happened, bad happened. And our faith took a hit because it didn't work for us anymore. It didn't make sense. And so here's the point. If you lost faith in bodyguard God, good. Because he doesn't exist. He's fake news. Now here's the second one. On-demand God. On-demand God, on-demand God. We want God to act on our demand. And so on-demand on God is the God who responds to our fair and selfless requests the way we would. So it's kind of like this, the fair one, the fair request. God, I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm just asking for a date, you know? The selfless requests. Hey, God, I'm not even asking for a date for me. I'm just asking for a date for my son or, or for my daughter. You know, it, it, it's kind of like this, that, that we want God to respond to us at least the way we would respond to someone else. It's like, well, I was told growing up that God is, is a personal God and he loves and he cares for me. Well, if that's the case, I've got wants and I've got needs. Shouldn't God 
meet those wants and meet those needs. But that hasn't been your experience, has it? It's like you asked for an answer and you got nothing. You asked for a sign, you asked for a miracle, you got nothing. And as a result, you started to lose faith in God, maybe even to the point where you said there is no God. But here's the good news. On-demand God doesn't exist. And that is a very good thing. Think about all the ridiculous prayers we prayed throughout the years. I mean, when I was 15, if God had answered my prayer, I would be the lead singer for a heavy metal band. <laughs> now, I know what some of you are thinking. I can see it. I, can, I know. I can see it. I do. Well, listen, I, if that would have happened, I would not have met all you fine people. And so, come on, think about this. Aren't you glad now that some of those prayers weren't answered that you prayed way back then. And so if you lost faith in God because of on-demand God, good, because he doesn't exist. He's fake news. Here's another one. Boyfriend God. Boyfriend God, or it could be girlfriend God, whichever one. You know, boyfriend God. Boyfriend God who's, is the God whose presence is always felt. It's kind of like, okay, uh, I was told that God lives in me and God's always around me, so I should always feel his presence. You know, it's like um, maybe some of you, you've had a religious experience, maybe as a kid, uh, you were at church, and you just had this experience where you just felt really close to God. Or for some of you, uh, it happened, maybe you were at home and you were just going through a difficult time, and maybe you were a religious person, but you just prayed, and all of a sudden you just, you just felt close to God. But now you're older. And you hardly feel the presence of, of anything. In fact, you read books and you read the Bible and all, fa all falls flat. You've come to church and you were standing next to someone and they were singing because it was during the singing time and they're raising their hand in the air and you're just going like, what air are they breathing? Because I ain't feeling what they're feeling right now. Is there something in that chair that's causing them to raise their hand? Because I ain't got what they got. And so here's what you're thinking. If, if, if I don't feel God's presence, he must not be present. But let me ask you, who told you that? Where did that come from? And come on, did you know this? And we don't even think about this. We are the least aware of the things that are most constant in our lives. You know, if, you're, if you've been in a room all day and the temperature of the room has been perfect, you know what you don't do at the end of the day? You don't go, you know what, the, room, the temperature in here has just been perfect all day. I just want to let everyone know that. I guarantee you, you didn't wake up this morning and go, I feel so American today. Ah. You know, you don't know. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's true, but we don't think that way. And the same is true with God. You know, most of us have heard of, of Mother Teresa. Uh, Mother Teresa, uh, she moved to Calcutta, and she served the poor and the sick and, and the dying in the name of Jesus in Calcutta. Well, after she died, a bunch of her journals were published. And in her journals, she will talk about going through months and even years of not feeling or experiencing the presence of God. And so just because, just because we don't feel something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so if you lost faith in God, you know, because of boyfriend God or girlfriend God, good, because he doesn't exist. You know why? He's fake news. Now, this fourth one is, is a big one for many of us. In fact, this one right here, this is the one we try to run from the most, but we can't seem to outrun this one. Here's this one. Guilt God. Guilt God. This is the God who tries to control us through, through fear and guilt. So it's kind of like this. If it's enjoyable, the answer is no. 
If it's fun, the answer is no, no. And if it's sexual, the answer is no, 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 exclamation mark. You know, this is the God who, who loves us because he's obligated to, but we're not sure he likes us all that much. And if you grew up with this one, this one is so difficult because it just, it just stays with us. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who have attended a service here and been out in the lobby way, and they'll say, hey, it's my first time. It's great. Hey, I hope your experience was well. Or you had a good experience. And they'll say, oh, yeah, it was great, but that wasn't church. And I'll say, why? And they said, because I don't feel guilty now. And, and, and here's the thing. You know, guilt God, if that's you, where did that come from? Who told you that? A mom, a dad, a pastor, a priest? So if you, you know, you lost faith in God because of guilt, God, good for you. Because he doesn't exist. He's fake news. Now, this fifth one is a big one in Christian circles. This one is called Gap God. Not Banana Republic God. Not Abercrombie God. Gap God. Now, the, 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 the idea of Gap God kind of works like this. That, that Gap God it, he just kind of shows up, conveniently so, as an explanation for all the things we can't explain in our life. And so you hear, that's a God thing. Oh, that's God. That's a God thing. Oh, mm, mm, that's God, definitely. That's God, definitely. You know, so something happens in our life, and that's what we do. So it's kind of like this. Uh, it's Christmas time, and uh, you're heading to the mall, and you pull into the parking lot, and the mall's packed full, and you don't have a spot, and you can't find a spot. So you're driving around, and you're like, God, open up a parking spot for me. Well, you're driving down, you know, and you're getting near the front where someone, all of a sudden, right in front of you, they kind of pull out and pull away, and you pull in, and it's a front row spot, and you say, honey, we serve a parking lot. God, that is a God thing. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe not. For many of us, if, if, if we have just kind of shrunk God down to, to being the explainable for all the things that we can't explain in our life, our faith is going to be under, undermined. You know why? Because the things that we can't explain right now in our world is growing smaller. And isn't that a good thing when you think about it? I mean, don't we want science to find a cure for all the diseases? I mean, it's not like, well, we can't find a cure for that one. Eh, it must be God. Kind of. No, we don't want that. Now, here's some of the pushback that I know that, that some of you will have. Well, if we can figure everything out, if we can know everything, well, then we'll become God. Then we won't need God. That's not true. That's not true. If you can figure out everything about how your mobile device works, if you can figure out, you know, the plastic and the glass and just the operating system, and you can figure out how that thing got put together and the electronics and, you know, the Wi-Fi, you know what you're not going to conclude? You're not going to go, no one made it. No one made it. So the thing is, is that by knowing more of something doesn't lessen the fact that someone made it. You know, here's the thing. If you're a Christian, here's what you believe, actually. Man, know this. It's the explainable that actually points to God. You see, because if you're a Christian, we actually believe that there was a beginner in Genesis. Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, talks about a God who created, and then he rested and so if you believe in a God who created and rested, you know what, that, what we should expect about our universe? That it's very predictable, that it's very stable, and it's explainable. And so if you're a Christian, actually, our faith rests on the explainable. 
So if you hear, you, you lost faith because of Gap God, good for you. Because Gap God doesn't exist, he's fake news. Now, this last one is, by, is becoming the biggest one by far. Here's the last one. The anti-science God. This is the God who forces us to choose between undeniable science and unreliable religion. I mean, this is the tension when you think about it. It's like, you know, we went to school and we, we learned about stuff in science. And then if you grew up in a family of faith, you know, they would say something else about, about God and about faith and all that stuff. And then it was like, how do I reconcile the two of these things? You know, for some of you, you know, you grew up in a family of faith and you started to learn more about science and you would come home and you'd ask your parents or you'd ask the priest or pastor. And here's what they would tell you. Would you just quit thinking and believe? Would you stop asking questions and believe? Well, that just didn't sit real well with you. And so you kept learning more about science. And so in your mind, you just felt like, well, you know what? I got to make a choice between science and faith. And guess who lost? But here's the good news. You don't have to choose between the two. And, and, and I can prove it to you by your own behavior. Now, this is kind of targeted at those who, who would say that they're Christian. But let me, let me kind of prove it to you. When one of my kids is really, really sick, do you know where I take them? Not to church. And I love this place, all right? I love this place. I take them to a doctor who is going to be looked at by someone who is trained in science to help them. So the doctor comes and sees one of my kids, and the doctor says, hey, listen, we're not sure what's wrong. We need to draw some blood, and then we'll have the results back to you in two or three days. We'll call you. And so I leave the doctor's office, and I pray, and I may call some people that, that are close to me and, and, and have them pray, but I'm waiting for that phone call. So I get the phone call, and the doctor says, hey, we got the lab results back. Here's what we've concluded. God's trying to teach you something. Oh, we don't want that response from the doctor. You know, what do we want from the doctor? We want the doctor to give us a scientific explanation for what's wrong and then prescribe some things that will hopefully heal what's wrong. And the reason why this is so important is because we can be so hypocritical if we're in the faith community. And it's just like, if we trust science to our health, why would we disregard it for all matters faith? I know for some of us, we're, our greatest fear is like science is going to discover something. Or, oh man, that disproves God and that disproves faith. But here's the thing. Once again, if you're a Christian, we believe that God created everything. And we are encouraged to discover things about his creation. So we're actually encouraged to be a part of the scientific community. And when we discover things, here's what's so great about it. It answers the question, how he did it. And so if, if you're here and you just felt like at one point in your life you had to choose between science and faith and you know what, you, you just learned so much about science and so you had to walk away, listen, I am so sorry you were presented with anti-science God because anti-science God, he doesn't exist. He's fake news. So here are the gods that many of us grew up with. Here's the list. And here's the good thing. They don't exist. They're fake news. And so if you walked away from, from one of these or many of these a long time ago, good for you. Now, if you're here and you're, and you're like, I still believe in that one, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Stop believing in that God. Walk away. Now, ladies, this is going to be really good for you because you're going to go home and you're going to see your husband or boyfriend and they're going to go, hey, what'd you learn in church today? And you're going to say to stop believing. They're going to be like, 
whoa, I'll go with you next week. That's awesome, you know? So it's an easy invite for you, all right? Easy invite. But, but, but all kidding aside, here, here's, here's where I'm going with this. Here's where I'm going with this. These things right here aren't arguments for or against anything. Do you know what these are? They're just unmet expectations. That we had expectations for who God is, how he should work, what he should do, and how the world should work. And then when our expectations weren't met, you know, we didn't walk away from our expectations. For many of us, what we did is we walked away from God instead. And so if, if you're in this place where you're kind of like, you know, I, I had faith at one time, but I'm starting to move away, or you've moved all the way, and you're starting to go to there's no God category. Listen, maybe, just maybe, you've walked away unnecessarily. And what I want to encourage, encourage you to do as we go through the series is just be open to discovering who God really is because we believe that you can. Now, I want to wrap this up with a question. And if you've been coming here any period of time, you know that I love to, to ask questions at the end of messages and all that stuff. But this question I'm going to ask today is by far the most challenging question I have asked in the history of the Ridge Community Church, the very young history. And so get ready. Here's the question. Where do babies come from? Where do babies come from? Now, here, here's the thing. Here, here's the answer. Depends who's asking. If a five-year-old asks, you're going to say this. Well, it comes from your mommy's tummy. If a 15-year-old would ask you this, you would give a different answer. And if a pre-med student asks you that question, you would give a different answer than that. Now, in giving a different answer, are we lying? No. Do you know what we're doing? We're just accommodating. And here's my concern. For many of us, we still have a mommy's tummy version of God. It's what we were given as a kid, and it's all that we know, and we just grew up, grew up, grew up. Our faith didn't grow up with us, but life changed. And what we were experiencing in life and what we were experiencing about our faith was a complete disconnect. And so as a result, we walked away. But as we go through this series, what we're going to try to do together is we're going to try to accommodate. And in doing so, some of you may discover that you've walked away from a God that never existed anyway. Now, next week, you want to come back for next week as we, as we do week two, because week two, we're going to talk about who did Jesus say God was, why should we listen to him anyways, and the answer is going to surprise you. Let me pray for us. God, as we kick off this journey, uh, I thank you that we can critically look at all things faith. And uh, God, I pray all of us here would have open minds, open hearts. Uh, God, no matter where we are in the faith journey, no matter what we think about, about you, the Bible, Jesus, whatever it may be. And uh, God, just help us to, to just really be open and honest with that. Look forward to what you're going to do the next couple of weeks as, as we do this together. And uh, I think we're going to see some really cool things. And God, may we bring our questions, may we bring our doubts, uh, all of it, as we do this together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.